0: Okay, well, in the spirit of what we are about to be talking to talking about. <clears throat> Thanks for checking us out, dear listeners. We hope you had a lovely Christmas. It's just the time for our episode about the church on Ruby Road. We'll be talking about Millie and Duty and the first time on Tardis duty. And there's a lot of chat to do. Between Alex, me, and Jordan, too, about the future of Doctor Who. So let's get on with ooh wee
1: Wow, genuinely, maybe the best thing that's ever going to happen on this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we've peaked. We've peaked. Oh,
0: we've peaked. Stop you know when
2: the you, recording, guys. Stop the recording.
0: You know when you write something and you're like, "This will be fun," and then you do it, and it's like, "Oh Jesus Christ, this is awful!" Like any like satire written by a 16 year old you're like oh this is the best thing i've ever done and you look back at it like right. oh
1: my god what i liked was the fact that the lyrics were genuinely surprisingly good <laughs> and yet you you did perform them with slight there are a troop of goblins around me and a king that might be about to eat my baby energy. There was a like, dubious there was a real,
2: yeah. There was, yeah. There was a
1: real sort of, there were high stakes involved. It felt, it felt like your life was on the line. Did it feel
0: like I have written this at quarter to eight in the morning and that I had not yet had a coffee?
2: <laughs> well, the fact that you wrote that not 20 minutes before we started recording is, you know, it's quite something.
1: You also managed to triple rhyme of Millie Shooty Tardis duty. Yeah, I I was so proud of that. <laughs> it was the one thing. the one thing where I was like, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'll take I think that. We one. need
2: to like get in touch with Russell because you might be taking his job. You know.
1: Oh God. Well, hey, listen, that's... we can't even go a single episode of Doctor Who anymore without a musical number. So it might be happening.
2: Yeah, they did. They're gonna need like a writers' room just for the songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you should be that writer's room, Simon, because at the moment they've just got ChatGPT.
2: Hello and welcome to Ooh Wee You, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Alex. Joining me as always are Jordan. Hello. And Simon.
0: I am so sorry for that intro.
2: No, don't be sorry. It was great. I loved it. It's definitely not going to be put on the cutting room floor or anything like that.
0: (laughs) And that's just a little belated Christmas present for you guys.
2: Oh, well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Janice Um, Goblin's
0: day job has not been threatened.
2: (laughs) I mean, it might have been. You never know. (laughs) You might just get toe-to-toe with her. Maybe just as iconic. Maybe not as, but just as. Okay. Anyway, it is... The the limbo between Christmas and New Year, the Doctor Who Christmas special, the church on Ruby Road has been and gone, and we're here to talk all things about it. So I'm very excited about this. I absolutely loved the episode um, and well, let's just get into it. So what what did we think? I
1: am, I am a big, big fan of the episode. I uh, was lucky enough to watch it a few days before Christmas as a little early Christmas present from the Beeb. So thank you very much for that one, BBC. Um, I reviewed the episode for Empire magazine, gave it four stars, which I think should be a, a fair indication of where I stand on the episode, but I mean, it's... It's a a classic Russell T. Davis intro slash Christmas episode, but with new Millie shooty energy running through it. So there wasn't really much not to enjoy. It was very energetic, very frenetic, carries carries this new kind of what-if Doctor Who was more leaning fantasy than sci-fi, but it's still sci-fi energy. And, like... Sheety Gatwa and Millie Gibson, immediately great. Like I, I was straight from the get go. I was just like, "Oh, why can't it always have been this easy? Why is the last like five years of Doctor Who felt a little bit like pulling teeth when it comes to this stuff?" This is like prime Christmas Day viewing. Did I watch it seven times before Christmas Day? Possibly. <laughs> Did I also watch it? at five to six on christmas day and make a big point of not missing when it aired live also possibly but yeah it, it was it was just great it was it was funny it was a little bit emotional there are a couple of little threads of intrigue that have already started to be spun yeah it's good good old new new who yeah, I
0: think I agree with that sentiment. I think for me, I, I still have a little bit of a. I still need to jump fully on board. 15's era. you know. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I love Chuty. I think he was great in it. I think his energy is just unparalleled so far. And Ruby Sunday is a really fun character, and I think it was a savvy move to make the focus of the episode about her. I think it harkens back to. How people were got on board with Rose to begin with, uh, with, the, with the revival. So, you know, making the episode about the the well, after in in the wake of the sixtieth and companion being kind of put down as an archaism. I don't know what we're calling the the tra- the traveling traveling friends. Bestie. Bestie. There we go. Or
1: well, maybe hang on, this hasn't been tried before. What about Tardis fam?
0: Tardis fam. You know um... what?
1: let's put it out
0: to the (laughs) Hoovian community and see whether it gets any traction because
2: (laughs) i think they're gonna love it i think
0: they're gonna love it i think they're never ever gonna be you know ridiculing any era that tries to call their their, their group a fam who knows anyway um but i think it's 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 got the energy and the fun that you need for a Christmas episode, if not always, like, for me anyway, just the, the, the stuff. I don't know. It it was... It, I enjoyed it overall, is what I'm trying to say.
2: I absolutely adored it. I thought that it was really brilliant. A great introduction to both Shooty as the 15th Doctor. Um, I feel like he really... Uh, despite not being the focus of the episode still really got a lot of moments to kind of shine as a singular figure. Um, but also, the the best thing about the episode was the both of them together and their chemistry. Um, but I thought Millie Gibson was great, um, and I think Ruby is a very interesting character, and I think that... Um, what interests me the most about her is that she is firmly planted in the roots of the very human characters that russell t davis has created um when it comes to the the doctor's friends if we're not saying companions anymore <laughs> fam. Um, the fam the doctor's fam. um but there is also that sense of intrigue because we don't really know her origins or where she's from or who she is so it's like he is going well I'm going to give you that thing that you love where the doctor is kind of landed with this really human figure, but also I'm going to drop a bit of like river song Clara level intrigue in there as well, just to keep things interesting, which I thought was really, really good. Um, I thought the, the goblin song, we'll talk about it more later. I'm very sure, but absolutely wonderful. And I mean, both parts of it. Um, yeah, I. I just thought it was so wonderful it was very funny at times it was very emotional as well um the the development between them both was was really good um so yeah i really really loved it now the first thing i wanted to like dive deep into is first meeting now there's always been a big kind of um thing around when the doctor first interacts with his new um new traveling fam friend um and in the church on ruby road this happens in a club and uh 15 is absolutely feeling his oats on the dance floor and ruby is watching on um, from afar,
1: Honestly, he's not just feeling his oats. He could be sewing them with those moves. I wow, mean, yeah,
2: damn, like incredible stuff and all of this too. And I have, I do not think I've stopped listening to that song um, that is playing at that time at that moment. Um, it's called Touch by Hybrid Minds. And, um, I just think, I don't know why, but it just makes me feel like all, I don't want to say, like, love at first sight because I, do, I don't think there's probably going to be any of that between them. But, yeah, it just felt like an instant, like, Millie, I mean, um, Ruby looked at him and it was just kind of like...
0: It's pure the, chemical reaction, isn't it?
2: It's, it's, yeah,
1: it's almost, like, it's it's not romantic, but at the same time, I the way the way that it like the way that it makes you feel had a kind of almost Richard courtesy element of like fate to it. Like it, it felt I mean, obviously far better than but it felt a little bit like last Christmas type vibes when Amelia Clarke and Henry Golding first meet. And there's just yes. like there's like just this bit of a sense of like something wonderful is about to spark between these two people that we don't really know yet. Um, but but the chemistry is very best decoded from the get-go, which yeah. is quite appreciated when, like, diversions into Doctor romances have been, you know, quite, quite a common feature of uh, reboot-era Doctor Who. It's quite nice to be like, I immediately don't feel like these guys are going to try and get together, but I do immediately feel like they are going to love each other in a, you know, platonic way.
0: My question is so this might have already been explained, and I'm just remembering, I have the memory of a goldfish because Boxing Day has happened in between this episode and this recording. Was there any, like, at some point, when the Doctor and Ruby meet, there feels like a level of familiarity from the Doctor's part already. Obviously, it's like the whole him looking out for her through like the little montage at the start. When, when is their first first meeting, if you will?
1: Like because it's at the church on Ruby Road. But so this is what I'm wondering.
0: Now. Because so this is what I'm wondering. <laughs> because in the pre- preview bit where the slowly the slowest walking mother. In TV history, drops off Ruby at the church. When Duty turns <laughs> up, he's already crying. He's—I feel like we're at the point yes. later on.
2: So that's like a—that's a loop around, isn't it? So that's, that's a loop around. Yeah, we're being shown something that happens later on in the episode at the so, beginning.
0: So when fifteen is in the club, love and life glistening on the dance floor, has there already been a meeting at that point? Does he already know who she
1: is? I yeah. So my read on it was that you see at the beginning essentially the flash forward to what's going to come to pass by the end of it and so the reason the doctor has been at opportune moments intervening in ruby sunday's life or like watching over is because of that initial first meeting but then the moment in the club is the first time they actually like interface like they actually like Communicate properly, right? I think.
2: But hey, think,
1: so you think that's Del- the first
2: time he's seen her, or do you think it's the first time they've seen like, where, as in? I think it's definitely the first time she sees him.
0: I think it's definitely the first time for her seeing him.
2: Yeah, yes, but I'm not sure. I believe it's the first time he's seen her. I no. think. Well, I, I mean, apart from the where he where he's watching her play in the band.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, but I think. Maybe we're in for some Moffati inspired stuff where the first meeting is going to be maybe last meeting. Not quite River Song level, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, and I mean in the commentary for the episode, like Russell T. Davis is sort of vaguely gestured towards the idea of like the the whole thing about Ruby's parentage and the the Doctor and Ruby's like shared adoption background and stuff mm. like will be it's a thing that's going to be a prominent thing throughout so I feel like there's definitely some wiggle room there for it to be expanded into like whatever madness Russell T. Davis decides to come up with
2: <laughs> he'll call I'm sure he will oh yeah that scene brings us to what is probably like the first really big meaty bit of um kind of action slash talky moment that we get from as the 15th Doctor which was I believe a reshoot that was added um quite late on yes
0: because I feel like this was being shot around the same time they were doing next year's Christmas special
2: yeah and um this is when he's saving ruby and her friends from the falling snowman um but then he has this interaction with um a policeman um and i i loved that moment so much because it just weirdly like 10 minutes into the episode just solidified him as the doctor for me because it's like such a a doctor thing to do to, to a person like that and kind of reintroduces us to the idea that like he's this all powerful person who kind of knows maybe a bit too much but at the end of the day it's kind of like he's just doing it to be nice and I don't know I just really really liked it
1: it did it did make me think for like a split second I was there like I wonder how recently Russell T Davis last watched any Moffat Doctor Who because I was like Sheety, Sheety went full Sherlock for about 10 seconds there. He did, uh, he did, yeah. I, I kind of wondered for a second, uh, I was like, did Moffat ghost write this, like, couple of lines here and there just because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, he definitely didn't do that. His who time is, as far as I'm aware anyway, I think his who time is well and truly done at this point. But it, it was a very Sherlockian moment of, like, okay, here is this one tiny, very specific detail about you that I'm going to then extrapolate your entire current life story. Um, but it did; it was also a moment that, as well as being a great, like, shooty Gatwood, this is what his doctors like moment, we also got to get, like, a proper intro for the sonic screwdriver, which isn't a thing that we ever really get with mm. sonic screwdrivers. And despite True. the fact that it does look like a sort of
2: <laughs> next-generation
1: sky remote, <laughs> if at all like i liked the way that he was like when he was changing the lights at the at the at the traffic lights and using it as a torch later on like it's a it's a nifty little little gadget and any kid that is out there that wants to have their own sonic but can't necessarily afford to like go and get a replica sonic literally just any generic smart tv remote will do the job oh yeah
0: like as soon as i saw that thing in action i was like I am sold. Like, whatever hesitation I had over it, like, yep, yeah, nope. lovely, love it, great.
2: I also love how um, there was kind of another retroactive Russell T. Davis thing akin to the um, the Shirley Ann Bingham stuff where there was the acknowledgement, like, is that a screwdriver? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I-, I think that's good as well because obviously, like, it again, sort of shows Russell T. Davis is like, inbuilt sort of fandom bullshit filter where he sort of preempts the things that might be talking points and just like builds them into the show itself so he kind of like gets to the gotcha before the fans do um but also as well i feel like just just because it's i i I mean it will come up later but it's also very relevant now especially talking about how the sonic is a very sort of DIY, any kid can have it sort Mm. of gadget this time around. I I do really love the idea of the gloves because they literally just oh my god, they just look like a pair of like kids' gloves. They almost looked a bit like you know like those Halloween skeleton gloves, which would have like the rubbery (laughs) skeleton (laughs) fingers. Yes, and I was like, you could get the like go to your nearest B and M, and all of a sudden you've got like gloves that will contain the entire mass of yourself and you could be dangling off a ladder from a goblin airship above the streets of it's Bristol pretending to be London, and you'd be having a whale of a time. I quite like the fact that we're in the, like, John Pertwee-style, this-who-does-gadgets era again, which is quite cool.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely <laughs> love that. I think it's it does have a feel of, of the gadgets and everything else, of this, like, ad hoc, you've got 20 minutes to make something that can do this, Please, you know, you've got like a, a box full of scraps. Please go and make something, Mister Production Designer
1: type person. Um, it's very, I, it's very this week on Blue Peter. Sort of, it is, energy. it is, it absolutely is. It's,
0: it's, it is the kind of thing where you go, and this is how you make it at home, kids. It's wonderful, and like you say, very hearkening back to classic era. I, I feel like we're, I, I I'm, 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 those bits absolutely love. No notes, no comments. Wonderful.
2: You mentioned Blue Peter, and it's made me think that we need to have another create your own uh, monster competition. <laughs> 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 yes, uh, for another for an episode during the new era. I think they need to do it. I'm I'm all down for it because <laughs> if it's anything to go off what we got last time, I mean. <sighs> Wow! Like, can we can we be
1: entirely sure that uh, the Goblin King and the goblins were not designed by a raving lunatic, eleven-year-old Doctor Who fan that had recently watched The Mandalorian and then <laughs>
2: had
1: loads of e-numbers and decided,
2: oh, they're kind of Goblin-y, aren't they?" I I really love the Goblin ship. I I thought um, the the idea that kind of because obviously. Goblins are more fantasy than they are sci-fi, so it's a bit like, well, it's not really Doctor Who, but it, you know, it's something that is interesting to delve into. But the idea that they they'll kind of the way that the ship works is just a different like technological language for the Doctor to learn. Yeah, um, was just very cool.
1: No, I was just gonna say let's not pretend that in classic Who there weren't like random. <laughs> fantasy slash very not sci-fi ideas either. I mean, in the last of the and the 60th anniversary specials, we obviously referenced, like, the gods of Ragnarok, but also, like, we've had evil Bertie Bassett's before in Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs>
2: there, is, there, is, there is a precedent for just yeah crazy ideas. I know, yeah, it's, it's definitely not out of place, I don't think.
0: And I think he's still trying to do, like, a... Oh, so, yeah, their the time... Bibblers, is it? Is
1: Bibblers, <laughs> yeah. Bimblers, yeah, they bibble. that's it. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually, I really, because this feeds into the characterization that we immediately got when Shooty was introduced in the 60th in The Giggle, where, like, instead of having these kind of like brooding, sort of like, oh God, it's really hard being the doctor and like the weight of all this pressure because I'm thousands of years old and I've traveled and I've seen war and it's this really tough life being a Time Lord. Like Shooty, on the other hand, is comes in. He's there, like time time traveler. You having a fucking laugh, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I love time travelers. We're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, his, his whole his whole thing is like, I'm actually fucking amazing. By the way, don't let's not forget that fact. I travel in time. And yeah, that's very cool, and also quite tricky. <laughs> I've got my target license. Thank you very much. Just because you travel in time doesn't make you a time traveler. <laughs> I like I like the confidence of that. And actually, just because we're sort of starting to zip forwards and backwards a tiny bit. That that whole bit between Shooty and Millie or Ruby and the Doctor on the pirate ship when they're tied up and he's learning the language of the rope and they're kind of like having their secondary meat cute, platonic meat cute. Like, I really liked the, the like, dynamism of that scene where they're, like, having to strain to, like, turn to face each other and, like, just trying to, like, figure out what their, like, repartee is going to be and, like, where their points of interest are. But, like, they both just seem very excited. Like, everything's dangerous and strange and alien to them, even if it's more fantasy. But, like, th- there's just, like, a real, like, kinetic energy to them that's very infectious and, like, whenever Shootsy Gatwa smiles, like, I'm just like, ah, uh, my notes have disappeared. I've got- it's a, it's <laughs> infectious, isn't it? It's so
0: infectious. But, yeah, it does feel like they are both, like, those characters, because of the way they're played by Millie and Chutie, they're both played with a sense of, I totally get that they would see a ladder in the sky and think, yeah, babes, I'll give that a go. It's, <laughs> I, like, they both just seem like one, like, when Lulabelle is being taken by the goblins and Ruby goes up on the roof and goes, did you just hiss at me? Like, she's the type who wouldn't be like, oh my God, a, a, a goblin, and would go, do you mind, mate? So... It's,
1: yeah, it's kind of like, it's sort of like Gen Z Donna energy at times. This kind of like running into rather than away from the danger. And like, there's a there's a curiosity that's really cool. Plus also, we can't neglect the fact that whilst a lot of the like publicity and everything's around shooty because he's a massive global star from sex education and from like Barbie and the upcoming Masters in the Air series and stuff like that. Like Millie Gibson has become very good over the last few years at selling absolutely batshit insane plot lines and hokey dialogue working on Coronation Street is Kelly Nealon. So, like, <laughs> it is not outside of her wheelhouse to be able to read a script and go, well, that's fucking crazy, but I'm still going to make you believe every line of it. Yeah. So she, She's phenomenal she takes at this very, very well.
2: Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point, though. Like, it very kind of different to any other companion we've really met where she's kind of just instantly on board. And I feel like that's kind of an air of the entire episode where I feel like I'm instantly on board with like shooty as the doctor with just 15s, like charisma and personality with uh, them two as a pair and all that kind of stuff. She's just like, she's just ready to go straight away. Like ready to like just sink her teeth into the adventure and kind of, like is so intrigued by it all and isn't really like put off or kind of like oh what's going on this is really strange and i shouldn't be doing this ah it's just kind of like let's do it let's save lulu bell let's like (laughs) what this is the language of rope what the hell like it, it yeah i i really like the fact that it just feels fresh in a way where we we're not kind of doing the same thing where they're we're trying to see the companion mold themselves into this world that they're not used to
1: yeah like yeah in, as opposed to previous like introductory episodes or like previous areas of who when it comes to that relationship between the doctor and the companion slash friend slash fam like you you just you don't have to do as much of the like table setting of wow, this is all crazy and strange. Can you explain this to me? Whilst the Doctor is simultaneously like, oh, I've just regenerated and I've completely forgotten how to function. And instead it's like straightens the thrust of adventure. But I think to like give us a way to loop back a bit to where we got up to before with the the snowman incident and the instruction of the policeman, but that's still early, early in the episode. Like it shows a lot of confidence in Ruby Sunday as a character and Millie Gibson as a performer that like, The first pretty much 20 minutes of the episode. So the first third of the episode is dedicated to Ruby Sunday and like establishing who she is and introducing us to her like domestic sphere and her adoptive mother and grandmother and like finding out a little bit about like okay, so what is her world before we take it out of it and plonk her into airships and goblins, like where where is the home that she will always gravitate back towards? And I think that that's really well established because like um Michelle Greenage and Angela Winter as as Carla and Cherry, the mother and grandfather, like, they're immediately like they've got they've got that kind of the nobles or um the Tyler's kind of energy of like there are there are some grounding forces here that like amidst all of the insanity of everything you feel quite cozy and warm in their company. Like I'd be quite happy to sit down for a brew with them in the episode and just let them sort of chat to each other and just feel that kind of little bubble of bliss that they've managed to create. Like, I think it's a, it's a really generous thing to do as a writer and a very like statement of intent, confident thing to do as a writer to say that like, we will have big adventures in time and space with fantasy and sci-fi all melding together. But like this can still be like a a little bit of a kitchen sink domestic drama when the moment calls for it. And because it gives us the time to have that domestic sort of thing going on, it just, it just makes when things go crazier, like it just reminds you where you, where you've started from, like what the starting point is like, it grounds everything. Even if the things that try to unmoor it from being grounded are absolutely insane, like baby eating goblins
2: <laughs> I, yeah i um i I think that's really tr- very true because um I think one of my I tweeted about this recently one of my favorite scenes from um from the first series of of rebooted Doctor Who is from the second episode uh, end of the world where Rose calls uh Jackie up um from from the end of the world and it's that's kind of same feeling isn't it because if jackie and and mickey and uh, and rose's world hadn't been established in that first episode that wouldn't have been as emotional as it as it as it ended up being and it wouldn't have been as big of a moment as it ended up being and i feel like the way that we've been set up with ruby's world like you're saying is going to kind of set up for moments like that
0: I think as well, like I, I'm actually to add on to that point, and I will also give some credit to Love and Monsters here. Here we go, because um, hey. it's actually not that bad of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, the moment where Jackie has that little kind of tender speech to Elton about how, you know, I'm I'm just the one waiting at the door, hoping that she, hoping that she'll come back one day. Like it's just devastating. And I I love when Russell puts those moments in of going we need to have well not we need to but it's it's important to have context and perspective on what this does to people who don't get caught up in the wonderful whimsical time and space drama like it's it's so sobering and
1: even more credit to love and monsters because the writer of that episode was also presumably the child that won the competition to create the absorbal off (laughs)
0: <laughs> managed to write that really somber speech it's wonderful it's
1: written written by a seven year old I believe <laughs> actually no Isn't oh, this is the episode that's written by Richard Curtis <laughs> oh, <my>
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, googling as we speak
0: I do want to give um I think I think Cherry and Carla both deserve their flowers in this episode. I think they are yes. the best bit. I love them. I love Cherry Sunday. I think Russell T. Davis must have been punching the air when he came up with that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love that Cherry just wants a cup of tea all through the episode. Like And
1: <laughs> Boy oh boy did she get a tea in the end.
0: She oh,
2: did and she deserved it.
0: Truly. And can I just and most of all, I absolutely love that Fifteen Duties Doctor will just flirt with anything and anyone that moves, <laughs> because my God, like I was just like, you know what, I could, I could see them, I could see them, hang it off.
1: I mean, Cherry, Cherry was like. I, I've made a vow to be celibate, and then she sees Shitty, and all of a sudden she's like, "I have made a vow to be never celibate again." <laughs> <laughs> I can I can tell you not on a not on a cherry note, but uh, a little Easter egg from the uh, from the house that they live in. Well, two Easter eggs from the house that they live in. Ooh. One is from the commentary, so it's not really an Easter egg because literally everyone that listens to this will have probably already heard it. Yeah, but I, I think they've used the same set that they used for the nobles' house, but they've just like redressed and rejigged it. Oh, okay. Because like they still have access to that set, so they're like, "Hey, use it." But the thing that is the thing that is interesting is, so I've actually got two friends from outside of doing this. I know I've actually got Whoa, two friends. This is uh, I've got double the number of <laughs> double the number of friends that I have here. Um. But one of them, (laughs) so one of them who's credited on the episode, well, both of them are credited on the episode. One of them is Tone Hitchcock, who's a fantastic prop maker and sculptor. He's done stuff for Doctor Who, he's done stuff for His Dark Materials, he's done stuff for films and for, like, Natural History Museum, like, everything. Like, one minute he's making like, dinosaur bones, the next minute he's making, like, turrets for unrevealed yet episodes of shows that I definitely can't talk about
0: but
1: like, you know, cool stuff uh, and like a lot of the like he, sh- he showed at my wedding recently he showed me some of the pictures from this Christmas special of like the Goblin King and like the actual practically achieved Goblin King which was very cool that's but excellent the thing, the thing that is like properly inside inside baseball here is I've got a friend called Alid Griffiths who's incredibly talented graphic designer um, met him when i was at university have followed with great interest his career since university because he worked on his dark materials all three series of that and he got a gig to to work on doc Two. so like the some of the unit iconography in the 60th anniversary specials he came up with isaac newton's sketches in his little journal in wild blue yonder he did those what? but in this episode, all of the adopted children—the thirty-three that are on the fridge—they're all members of the production department as kids. Oh. And amongst <laughs> amongst all of those pictures oh. is my pal Aled as a oh, child lovely. with his sister at Christmas. Oh. So just as a, like, it's another little one of those. Like, obviously, literally nobody watching it would know this thing. But again, it's kind of that idea of, for me at least anyway, when when he told me about that, I was like, it's another reminder of like this kind of unashamedly, unapologetically quite gooey return of like the, the just feel-good spirit of Doctor Who from when it first came back and like Tenant Era, especially of like when you used to watch Doctor Who Confidential and stuff and it was like, Everybody just really, really loves this, yeah, and then that love that goes into everything behind the scenes that isn't even the stuff that you end up seeing, like bleeds into your engagement with it in the episodes themselves, like for me the whole the whole sequence of fifteen looking at the fridge, seeing all of the adopted children, like you have the biggest family in the whole world, and like Ruby just seeming so proud and then asking him about like what about you? What about your family? And he's like, Oh, I have no one. And then he just like cracks back on with trying to stop coincidences from happening. Like, I I don't know, like, there's just a real, there's a real warmth that it almost impairs your critical faculties a little bit because it's quite rare to see anything now that is able to allow itself to just be so, so, unashamedly positive and like hey we just love showing how much people love each other and love things and there's so much love in the construction of the thing um but anyway that was my 55 minute long uh, divergence <laughs> into basically saying <laughs> and, no i love that on the fridge in <laughs> uh, on ruby road
0: and can we just have every episode jordan having some like actual insight into the episode and we just because yes. because i feel like that gives us some of justification to be called... Corner. <laughs> no, I, feel, I, will... I feel like it gives us some justification and some legitimacy as a podcast where we have someone who actually knows stuff about the
2: episode <laughs> and to delegitimize it talking of graphic design did you guys notice the little easter egg on the fridge that yeah the um the, the pictures yes the pizza um but they also live on minto road as well just to, to add on to what you were talking about with um in terms of 15 and kind of his reaction to the to the um pictures Ooh. on the fridge. Mm. Mm-hmm. I did find that really interesting because obviously we just had the giggle where he's kind of like I'm running home fancy-free, you know? I am just unburdened. And there still is a sense that <clears throat> 15 is unburdened, but also that moment where you just kind of get the idea that that you know there are still things that are just just in the background, just kind of festering, just just it's, still there. It's really
1: it's really good. Like it's really s- satisfying. Feels like a weird word to use for somebody's emotional trauma, but here we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like after after the sort of you know when who came back in 2005 it was like the great time war and then like throughout david era yeah. you had like the Lust of the time lords and then you had the whole like uh obviously like the pandorica and, and I, i'm not going to repeat the list of things that are referred to in the 60th anniversary specials because everyone's watched them <laughs> but like Adric and all of that yeah but um but like what's good is that now that shooty's 15th doctor has been like able to not compartmentalize but like we know that his doctor comes after the doctor has finally taken the time to like actually process all of these cosmic like galaxy level traumas like you know wiping out a significant chunk of the known universe like just massive things it's it's back to like a human level drama and like a human level emotional impetus behind it where instead of like massive galaxy spanning like crises like the doctor's central thing here and the thing that unites him and ruby over the course of the episode is they're both foundlings of a sort both of them have a parentage that they don't have any real way of knowing The truth, or at least it seems like they've been cut off from the possibility of knowing the truth. And so the question that they both face now is just simply like, who am I? Where do I belong? And they're both confident, outgoing, I'm going to say young people because of the actors playing them. Obviously, the doctor, very much not a young person, but like they both have that sort of ingenue esque quality to them of. We just don't know who we are, but we're willing to try and find out. And I like the fact that if there is a defining characteristic of this new Doctor, apart from being incredibly fashionable and charismatic and surprisingly good at singing and also very good at dancing and also beautiful smile, um, the thing that, that seems to immediately define Shuti Gatwa's Doctor is that they are... They don't repress emotionality like there isn't any like oh I have to be stoic because I'm the doctor. It's like a real kind of I might just start crying before I've even figured out why I'm crying. There's a really nice moment in the commentary for the episode where Millie Gibson talks about um, how it almost feels like there's another person inside the doctor that is having those emotions and then occasionally that person gets out and russell t davis kind of responded to that by saying that like it's almost as if the emotions can be happening whilst the intellectual like wise side of the doctor is still being intellectual and processing and like figuring things out and i think now you're getting a doctor that that feels really strongly because they've known what it's like to try and actively suppress that emotion for so long whilst also getting the doctor that is that almost like sherlock times a thousand galaxy brain genius to borrow a uh to borrow a line
0: from wobbly yonder it can be two things at the same time
1: exactly two things can be true at the same time and i think shooty's like Mm. immediately embodying that because you're getting an emotional side of the character that we've not experienced in this way before definitely not a doctor that cries like what four times possibly in the same episode
0: yeah but when when it turns out that the goblins have gone have bimbled back to ruby's newborn status and got her then when he realizes that it's just that i i genuinely i thought i'm going to cry with him i'm going to i'm going to go <laughs> cuz it's just like he he makes you feel it he makes you know the the, the gravity of that that whole moment
1: yeah and and i mean he's like that that's probably like got to be part of the reason why he was cast as well because like we've seen that ability to like flip that switch between high energy and sort of gutting emotion in sex education as eric like he he just has that, like, quite sort of almost preternatural ability to be this, like, young, exuberant thing and also this, like, soulful, quite wistful, you know, incredibly feeling person at the same time. Um, and I do think, like, in, in the bit where Ruby has been, like, undone by time, essentially, in the Goblins, and you get the Doctor, like... Talking to Carla about Ruby and her her whole like absence of Ruby from her life, like the the whole house is colder and there's less Christmas decorations, and she's so jaded and so cynical about everything, and yet there's this like moment of for the doctor you just can't imagine anything more heartbreaking than the idea of Ruby Sunday not existing in that particular like love and vibrancy not being in the world and so yeah. they both are just crying like Paula doesn't even know why she's crying and the doctor's crying too but doesn't seem to even consciously be acknowledging it but they're both just like feeling all the feels it's yeah. just like it's a really nice and it's um, and i i really don't mean to like bag on it feels like a theme of this will be as like flippantly or casually bagging on the chibnall era but it is like symptomatic of the Chibnall era was that emotions were projected onto characters in terms of like, I'm going to tell you all these things that are bad or traumatizing you in your life. And then it will be explained and that will be why it's emotional. Whereas like there's a, despite the fact that there's a lot of dialogue in this episode and like a lot of quick sort of kinetic stuff going on, there is also a lot of stuff that is just like it's looks and it's, eyes glistening and it's like things suggested by the production design where you just feel the space filled with the emotion of the moment rather than yeah. everything has to be dialogue everything has to be aligned
2: i don't know whether i feel like even kind of jody's era just lacked a, an emotion like uh, an emotion lacked emotion like it just did feel kind of cold and it, like in just her characterization in general because she was like for most of her run, she was just completely in denial about everything that was going on and everything that was happening, that she, there was never a chance narratively for her as the Doctor to kind of let that, the idea of emotion just flow in general. So I don't know whether it, the, the fact that we're seeing all of this happen now is just kind of, it feels like it's it's about time. <laughs>
1: I think. I mean, yeah. if there's one thing Doctor Who is: it's about time. It's <laughs> certainly
2: <not. laughs> very true. Very true.
0: I did. I did like the um, the effect of the the the, the house breaking when um, mm. when time was when time was messed with. Who's won- going to
2: fix that on Christmas Eve? Well,
0: I'm worried about Carla and Cherry and Lulabelle there because you know they walk away from that with fairly merry abandon. The Doctor and Ruby. And like, I get. Yeah, you know, they
2: just left them on Christmas Eve with a cracked roof. Like you know, I get you. at That
0: point, that house is no longer a home.
2: It's it's so fine because Shiti will have left the
1: phone number for this mysterious guy that's currently living it <laughs> up in a French villa who has <laughs> doesn't have a blue box. Um, that's a, you know what? If we're gonna, go get, he'll go get a, a lottery ticket from um, <laughs> <laughs> like, a dead relative.
0: It. Um. I think if we're going to have cuz I know people have been like oh does this mean we're going to get a tenant spin-off I would love it if it is just 14 going anywhere that 15 has been and going yeah don't worry about this I've got I've got some things in in the in the back I'll, I'll take remember, care of it Do
1: you remember like early phase MCU when they used to do the like Marvel one-shots
0: Yes yeah yeah
1: like I would be very like I would be to- I don't think I could be cynical even about little 5 to 10 minute long tenant minisodes where it, it is exactly that just tenant just turning up at the scene of something that shoots doctor's done and being like what what <laughs> and then just like calling <laughs> up a contractor for them or like just <laughs> solving things in a very banal and human way yeah yeah,
2: not even like technologically wise just getting like a toolkit out and just diy in it I, yeah, yeah i quite like... like
1: the idea of like him like going to pull out what you imagine will be the sonic screwdriver from his pocket <laughs> <laughs> it's just an actual phillips screwdriver <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. like a little pencil to put behind his ear where he's like hmm, yep yeah. yeah. oh, gonna have to sort that out <laughs>
1: but of course he will wear the ill fitting waistcoat and the converse of course, yeah, yeah. And He'll then never they leave can have love, a
2: visual but... gag where he pulls a ladder out of the TARDIS.
1: Ah, uh, there we
0: go. Perfect.
2: Perfect. Just yeah, yeah make it, it make really like a series of like silent
1: era comedies. Just him, yeah. just, <laughs> you just like Ryan go. Hardy, but with the Doctor and Donna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. See, we we're wasted on this podcast. Two episodes in, we're wasted on it already. Yeah, I feel like at this point we should go backwards in time. Having gone forwards in time and then much further forwards in time, I think, <laughs> yes. we'd, gotten, I think we'd gotten about as far as I, I'm gonna say when <laughs> maybe when Ruby's on the roof and they're about to head up in the goblin airship, and then we kind of skipped into the beginning of the goblin airship, but when they're talking yeah. and he's like, Time Lords are like, wow. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think we actually discussed the, the big, goblins, the big goblins, we, the, the goblins at all we did not
2: discuss the
1: because <laughs> the, at the main moment you. we need to talk about the gloves we need to talk about the language of rope and <laughs> we do need to talk about add some salt eat the baby
2: <laughs> that's yeah
1: Better
2: well indeed. i i just um hope that the running houdini gag um continues um that, that's my personal thoughts on, on We're that. just
0: going to have like, more elaborate ways to escape something.
1: I feel like <laughs> the back of my subconscious could hear some gammon squeaking when there was mention of a long, hot summer
2: with Harry um, Heaney. <laughs> yeah, but what I hadn't realised is that isn't the first time it's been mentioned.
0: And also, do we think, you know, if in that long, hot summer... Who who's the top here and who's the bottom? Oh gosh, Jesus!
2: I'm, <laughs> oh, I'll be honest. Oh, I'm just okay. getting down to it. That was like, uh, come on. As somebody mentioned on Twitter, that the, the latest that that hot summer with Harry Houdini could have happened was Jumper to his Doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, and hey. he's he's a top.
2: That makes that makes total
1: sense though, because and I alluded to it before anyway. But a there's no immediately obvious like oh, Shuti Gatwa is doing his version of insert X Doctor, but if that And this might just be me having to link everything to the fact that I'm currently watching John Pertwee's era for the first time. Please don't kill me, anybody. I, I yeah. the classic coup, but there are blind spots, and John Pertwee was one of them. I'm a very stupid man. John Pertwee's great. But his, like, the whole, the sort of, like, drippy fashion sense, the all-action, almost James Bondian sort of, like, I'll get yeah. into a scrap, I'll run across a rooftop, I'll do crazy outlandish things physically as well as mentally and like the, the gadgetry and everything like he's bringing third doctor back.
0: Yeah. Does that mean we're going to get Venusian Aikido?
1: I, do you know what? I actually don't think it doesn't mean that I think (laughs) (laughs) I hope and pray if we're going to bring anything back from the classic era. I think so. Maybe also Bessie also Bessie I was just
2: gonna say if we're bringing anything back from that era of Doctor Who it's got to be Bessie Before we get back into talking about the special, I'm just looking at a picture of um John Pertwee in Be- in Be- no, not gonna say it like that. Well. Uh, just looking at a picture of Bessie, and I'm realizing that Bessie is basically just adult brum.
0: It is adult brum. And also, yeah, I mean there are there are some very funny clips of John Pertwee being stuck in different inanimate objects. So um <laughs> yeah, you
2: know <laughs> it's- so goblin song yes Didn't goblin get christmas song. number one yeah. unfortunately um bloody wham god damn it wham how how dare you wh- no uh but yeah i i mean i'd already kind of gone word for word in terms of lyrics on the goblin song up up towards the um the special but the bit that we hadn't seen which is where 15 and ruby carry on singing because it if it feels like we never kind of hear the goblins speak i mean a lot of that we see of the goblins before we get to the ship is very much kind of uh kind of (laughs) um
1: (laughs) well there's a sound clip that's going to get inserted into future episodes yeah that was that's going to live with me to the day i die
2: (laughs) what i found so wonderful about that kind of scene and that moment is that they were obviously doing the singing as like a distraction but they were kind of speaking back to the goblins in the language that they had seen them talking basically which i thought was also pretty cool
0: yeah i, I love it i loved it Th- that stuff loved really really enjoyed that enjoyed the song back at them i think duty has got pipes and so, yeah. really, like considering yeah. he
1: made a big point of the fact that he's not a singer and has no singing background, and I was like, "Okay, mate, pull nah. that one." Yeah. yeah,
2: the no way. I also
1: i like i like the fact that a they ended up actually singing for real on the day on the set, and b on the day on the set they had cardboard cutouts of the little goblins, so they <laughs> were just oh my god! Imagine being on that set <laughs> where there is no other noise at all. <laughs> And the crew had just stood there, and you you aren't somebody that is known for singing. Singing is not your main thing that you do, and you're having to sing the Goblin King song just on a little gang, gangway on your own with Millie Gibson and just giving it full beans. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's oh man, he's he's a star. I, he I'm, is. I'm very. I I just think I'm I'm in love, guys. I know I'm,
2: we've said it already, but I'm going to say it again. I've never been so utterly convinced by an opening performance by by yeah. a, an actor who has played the Doctor.
0: I've never been so ready to jump into a TV and run away with a character before. Like yeah. romantically and in adventure in adventure mode. It just
2: oh in every mode. I think
1: of the like of the sort of like new who era as in post 2005 era of of doctor who like i'd be tempted to say that the only other actor in and i mean don't get me wrong like we've mm. been very lucky with the caliber of actor that we've had playing doctor who in the last 18 years yeah but yeah, like yeah. i think possibly peter capaldi is the only other doctor of this modern era of doctor who that has felt like they just knew exactly what doctor they wanted to be right from the get-go yeah like I, cause I feel like when i feel like when eccleston was introduced like he the material the material kind of gave the role to him in the sense that this is a doctor burdened by the time war and like the ptsd doctor thing was like baked into the scripts, like very well, and like it suited his despian kind of credentials. And then, like part of the part of the instant appeal of Tennant was that there was this kind of slight manic energy of like he's also like, as well as the Doctor being a new Doctor in series, it was also Tennant like trying out all of his tricks. And seeing what stuff stuck. Like, that was part of the excitement of yeah. when he was introduced. Likewise, with Matt Smith, there was a little bit of a like, hey, I'm the like hot young thing. Like, I can just try some stuff out. Whereas the thing that Capaldi and now Shooty have got in common is that both of them seem to have arrived with like, they've done their homework a little bit.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They've
1: gone, this is my characterization, this is who my doctor's gonna be. And it feels more like they're bringing the character to the script than the script is bringing the character to them, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that's partly why I think the structure of the episode works so well to have it so focused on Ruby is that you have the Doctor as this, like by the end of it, absolutely known quantity. Obviously, that that character will contain multitudes, and I'm sure we'll get to see those layers peeled away as the next series next year goes on but you do feel like yes this is a complete person and i feel like if we didn't have that time put aside to finding out who ruby thinks she is and knows that she isn't i think i i think it could have been i think
1: i think it could have fallen apart so much yeah. so, so badly cuz i mean the thing for me as well was like as as someone that like writes about film and tv and stuff and has been writing about these recent run of Doctor Who episodes and been getting to do that at some length. I think the thing that kind of surprised me perhaps or or that surprised me whilst I when I realized it, but then didn't surprise me at all when I thought about it was that my inclination wasn't to write tons about Shooty's like performance and characterization straight off the bat, because it is a more Ruby-centric episode, but also because I feel like he just like and, and I mean this in a very complimentary way, but like, he's immediately part of the Hooniverse f- uh, furniture. Like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You, like, it didn't feel like I needed to be, and uh, uh, like, I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't sat there going like, okay, Millie Gibson prove that you're worthy of Dr. Who. But like it, we knew nothing at all about Ruby Sunday. Like we, we knew nothing of her character and her roots or her aspirations or anything. Whereas like, with the doctor there's always at least a sense of like okay i get the basic thing two hearts tardis time travel sonic like yeah you have the basic setup and shooty just like slots right in and you're like wow in- incredible no notes whereas like this had to be a ruby centric episode and when i was writing about it i wrote ended up writing more about her because she is sort of the unknown quantity here and I think that like it's a testament to Millie Gibson's performance that like she she matches Shute's energy and the level of it feels like she also knows who this character is already, even yeah. if like if it, uh, and you know we've been mostly sort of very very positive on the episode as a whole, um, but like if I had like a minor criticism at all, there is a there is a tiny bit minus the sort of immediate romantic element like. There is a tiny bit of a Rose 2.0 about the way that Ruby's introduced and just that kind of, like, here's the sort of, like, teenage companion, like, starry-eyed, quite feisty, sort of working-class background, like, very sort of, like, elbow-grease kind of parents. Um, there is There is that, like, tiny element of how much of this is just sort of, like, a little bit of nice narrative symmetry with... How Rose was introduced in Rose, and how much of it is Russell T. Davis like writing what he knows, but the testament to Millie Gibson is that a the the found family thing is a really interesting and unique new dynamic for Doctor Who and a companion, but also like Gibson's performance just like it pulls you in, like th- there are depths there that you know we'll explore later. And she fully sells you on the fact that she knows what those depths are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the symmetry between her and Rose, because I think there is an air that she, the reason that she ran away from the apartment and ran to the TARDIS is because she knows that he can probably help her find out about her parentage. Yeah, in like the recesses of her mind, maybe she does just fancy an adventure. But at the end of the day, there's that kind of and Rose and Rose was very similar, obviously, up until the the Father's Day episode of of Doctor Who, the the first series. Sorry, um you know, there was that kind of sense that maybe that was all she wanted, really, from kind of traveling in the TARDIS. And we kind of get that idea with Ruby as well. Where maybe she is going because she kind of has a bit of an ulterior motive.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
2: But not like a, a bad way per se. Just, you know, if you know that there's a time traveler and there is this unknown like quantity in your life, you're going to kind of think, well, maybe that's a way that I, it can become not an unknown.
0: That does happen, and that's like an interesting bit, so... thing
2: to explore. Oh, yeah, just talking like yeah. back a bit
0: to um, Rose and her dad, and having a, having a time traveller who can kind of take her back to see him
1: in a way. I think that, that
2: yeah, it, there is. I do still think that it is just <laughs> symmetry, though. I don't think it's going to be beat for beat. Yeah,
1: um,
0: <laughs> I thought it was an interesting thing that uh, when the Doctor had the opportunity to kind of confront the mother oh my
2: gosh i love that moment yeah
0: he chose not to he chose to Mm. walk away he he was like i
2: don't know if that was a and if we're going to continue that kind of symmetry that very much kind of is in line with how nine was in father's day at the beginning of the episode at least kind of like we can't do this like this is a kind of yeah it's wrong to do this, so we shouldn't do it. There's yeah. something I,
1: it'll be where, like, episode eight of season one of Sheetigawa Who, you find out that they go back and the mother reveals herself to be, it's Rose Tyler, it's Billy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the, the stars are going <laughs> out. <The> things <laughs> that Which means she was born in 2005, and one oh, big thing oh, happened God. in 2005, Doctor Who came back, how old was Rose Tyler? Old enough to have a baby. Maybe oh, the reason you missed no, a big no, no. old crazy adventure with the doctor was because she just had an unwanted child and was running away from the burden of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just I'm still reeling I... from two thousand and five.
2: I don't think I could hate anything more, Jordan. I I, I genuinely believe that would be terrible. Listen, Alex, <laughs> there's one thing we know is that
1: every single universe, be it cinematic or televisual, everything has to connect. And if it doesn't connect oh, and it isn't filled God. with Easter eggs,
2: I ain't interested. Uh, but you're right, Simon. You're, you're right, Simon. The fact that that scene where the Doctor um, saves Ruby at the church on ruby road happens a week before the 10th doctor sees rose on new year's eve is just sickening
0: yeah makes me angry it makes me
1: angry and old and scared (laughs) i don't care for it i was seven years old when ruby sunday was born and simon was 30.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the
1: rest, darling, but
0: thank you. <laughs>
2: um well I think it interestingly enough that we're talking about that, we may as well kind of try and talk about delve... the goal. Well yeah, killer Christmas trees and all. Um but not not the direction I was I was thinking of going in no <laughs> but I've,
1: <if> you... <laughs> I've just had in my brain for the last like maybe 10 or 15 minutes the back of my brain just keeps going Merry Christmas Davina McCall <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I kind of I kind of wanted him, her to stay dead. I wanted her to be dead in the Doctor Who universe. I thought that would have been interesting. You no, know
1: Alex, this is no place to bring your personal grudges. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we know that no, you hate Davina McCall. I love I Davina McCall. It's fine. But also, this isn't this isn't Davina McCall's first rodeo, is it?
0: No, I was gonna say, I'm curious. Um I'm, for anyone curious about any other TV shows where Davina McCall meets a grizzly end, um ah, yes. I heartily recommend Dead Set from hmm. 2008.
2: Well, my thought also is, is that
1: she, if she was oh. on stage, was it, is it, hang on, wait, forgive me for the brain fart that I'm about to produce. Oh, are
2: you talking about Bad Wolf? Yeah. yeah. We're talking about the TV studio, yeah. They're on Big Brother. Oh,
1: yeah. Can you get the, you're live, your live, please do not swear.
2: Yeah. But I was thinking that that, if Davina had stayed dead, that would have been an interesting plot uh, like, um, what's the word? An interesting through line to her being an AI voice on Platform 5. Well, so here's the thing.
1: And again, it's Russell T. Davis being Russell T. Davis. But in again, in the commentary for The Church on Ruby Road, he says that Davina McCall does get another mention later in the first series of She's Amazing. Who? So... Because just just as a little like roundup of have you guys watched the video commentary for this episode? Not, Not yet, yet, but
2: I do so, intend to. Yeah. So it
1: was recorded on the set for um for the uh for the Sunday household. So like they record it in the lounge from the Sundays' house, which I thought was very cute, and it's um the producer of the episode, whose name is Escape Me, but I think it's Chris, and if his name's not Chris, he's Chris from here on out,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> and it's Russell T. Davis and it's Millie Gibson, but there were a few little tiny, because Russell T. Davis just can't help himself, there were a few little tiny moments where he was like, um, that's oh, episode eight of the next series, you can't wait for that, oh, episode four's going to be a doozy, the most shocking thing you've ever seen in your life is episode five, got to watch that one. But um, he mentioned that Davina McCall gets another mention. He mentioned that Cherry Sunday, when they did the table read for episode four of the first series of the new Who, like this new rebooted Who, he said that Cherry Sunday gives a reaction to a thing that happens that's one of the most shocking things that he's written or one of the most shocking reactions to a thing that he's written. Um which means that he obviously didn't engage with what happened when he wrote Love and Monsters. Um, But (laughs) a little little jokey joke. Um, He also mentioned that Mrs. Flood, who I'm sure we will talk about when we start talking about where things are going to go next, Hmm. mentioned that Mrs. Flood may appear once or twice or maybe a few more times down the road. Um, (laughs) And he also mentioned that... I think he said episode eight of the next run.
2: So the
1: A big thing to do with the like foster family aspect of things. And like, there will be further exploration of stuff. He was like, there's a very emotional big ending to that particular episode.
2: As good as this episode was as a, as a singular being, um there were a few things, a few little threads. Oh, we're
0: going to get to the bit that, that I didn't love lay. that much.
2: Oh, okay, interesting.
0: which is just the 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 connectivity of it all
1: oh, okay. interesting that you mention that because some the only thing that has made me go like this is definitely a four star at most and not a five is that i i also had some foibles with the connectivity of it all so i'm very interested to hear your thoughts on that simon
0: well i think for me i i'm not saying that a christmas special has to be a separate entity in and of itself doing the doctor who thing
1: but you are not saying that either i'm not not saying that
0: i think for me what has what has been so kind of unique about the doctor who christmas thing is that they've proven multiple times to be jumping on points for new audiences either because you've got some big cameo in there or you're doing a big silly idea and it just happens to fall right in time for christmas whether it's because it's christmas themed or because you're doing a literal christmas story or with because christmas Carol, got a new album coming out or because Carly not has got a new album out or because um Richard, from Keeping Up Appearances, has done a very chippy interview with Doctor Who magazine, um, which, if you've not read, I implore you to check out. It's hey, fantastic. Wait, is
1: this the interview where he had literally no idea what was going on? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And he was like, well, I'm not sure how you're going to get much out of uh, Mr. Copper.
2: <laughs> it's, it's great. Oh God, That interview.
0: It's wonderful. My, God. My big issue. And I was all the way through I was like oh this is fun and then mrs flood comes along and it just felt like
2: <laughs>
0: Grr, can you hear that that's the sound of plots being forced in and it's just like <laughs> i i just felt like oh please please don't please don't and then right at the end i thought we got to the credits and i thought oh we're safe okay maybe that was just a weird a weird thing and then and then we cut back post dematerialization <laughs> With just oh man, I did not like it. I didn't like it. I'm just gonna say it.
2: Fair enough. I mean, you know what? You have every right to to say that. Um and have that opinion, but just realize that it's the wrong opinion.
0: Oh, I'm Sh- absolutely fine with that. I've had many <laughs> wrong opinions in the past. No, no. no, no. I'm joking,
2: your opinion is
1: completely valid, Simon. I respect <laughs> it. Before you guys draw pistols at dawn over this. Can we take a moment to say that it is an incredible thing that it is Christmas time and Anita Dobson, Anita Dobson the co <laughs> the co-star of the most watched episode of Christmas television in British history when Dirty Dan Watts served divorce papers for Ange? 34 million people watched that episode of EastEnders. She is yeah. back on Christmas TV being a yeah. fucking legend. Giving yep. it all full Cockney Geezer or galzer, yeah. And regardless of the fact that her fourth wall break was incredibly strange and a little bit sort of, aren't we clever? We're going to unravel this in five episodes and when we find out she's the Rani. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. Shiti Gatler has said in an interview that he really wants to tackle the Rani. And you're there, yeah. like, mate, mm-hmm. you've. You've never watched classic Who before. Why do you know who the Rani is? <laughs> 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 some honey in your ear, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's lots of different theories as to who, who she could possibly be. She's the sister um... of
1: the the lady that drinks the blood through the straw in in. Uh...
0: <laughs> She's actually the great, <laughs> great, 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 great grandmother of Benny from Orphan Fifty
1: Five.
2: <laughs> 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 Plasmavor Jordan, Plasmavor. Hey no. I didn't even have to Google that. That just came back to me. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> um, well, oh, then Alex, thank you, thank you. Um, no, I. I think
0: I'm I just not... the, wink. the wink was good. The wink was good. I like
2: gives good. No, yeah.
0: I like Anita Dobson. Didn't like that.
1: You know, you no know, in the in the Doctor Who Unleashed for this episode, you see, you know, like how and it's not as big a, a moment, obviously. You know how with David Tennant, uh, the end of time, they recorded like four different versions of his "I don't want to go." Oh yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Well, in. In the background, so they do a bit in the episode about Anita Dobson and Mrs. Flood and all of that, and it's great and it's lovely. But you see them shooting the end of the episode, like in the background, whilst Stefan's like doing the sort of like, and now we're shooting the end of the episode. But mm. the way that she does the line in that and, it's you know, this being a real nerd, like the way that she's doing the line there, she does it in a much more sinister way. Like you can see her do like a bit of a scowl and like a. You've
2: never seen a Tardis You've never before. Never seen
1: a Tardis before, and it does it <laughs> done with like a grin and a wink. So all I'm saying is, maybe Russell T. Davis was there and he was like, "Oh shit, that's a bit too villainy in it." Too like, Be obvious. <laughs> because everyone's going to figure out who it is. Yeah. And so they were so like, wait. "Can you do that, but a little bit more charming, a little bit more cheeky?" Yeah.
2: We are, I, we are thinking villain right
0: I'm thinking villain I'm thinking uh, but this is exactly the issue I have is that I'm already thinking about who it could be and I'm not thinking about how much fun it was to spend an hour with Judy Gatwa and Millie Gibson making wonderful wonderful chemistry together
2: but can't can't it what, wait what's that quote from Wild Blue Yonder again i fine <laughs> two
1: things can be true at the same time exactly. how dare you
0: how dare you use my own source exactly well, against how me? dare
1: you be contradictory of your own
0: philosophy ah well um, exactly i can i can think two things are good and
2: not so good right, at the same okay, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's too, uh, far, too far too
1: far too far to be fair there is like a bit of a, a there's a there's an inherent tension between the fact that the 60th anniversary specials and this Christmas special have to do some like setting stuff up to make people want to watch new Doctor Who again. Like mm-hmm. they have to like tease something because you can't just be like this stands alone, this stands alone, this stands alone, this stands alone. Please join us for 40 plus episodes of sheety Gatter as the Doctor. Like <laughs> you have to, like, you have to I be know. like oh, I, I... here is a here is a path being like set, but yeah, yeah we've already so we've already had like the one who waits we've already had the gold tooth and the master like we've already had the ruby sunday parent mystery we've got the doctor's adoption actual mystery mystery. Mm -hmm. and then on top of those mysteries which are more than enough to get a series going yeah we now also have the mrs flood mystery and it yes. is a little it just like it just has like a tiny tiniest whiff of like mystery box in a mystery box in a mystery box
2: and well i don't want to push you over the edge jordan but please
1: don't put me in another mystery box
2: there is another there is one more thing go on where's Neris? yes oh there yes yes okay this i can get behind what <laughs> yeah, how he changes change.
1: if we find you out Mrs. Flood is actually <laughs> <is laughs> <embarrassing.
2: laughs> there is after the accident it's Mrs. Flood <laughs> oh she's my god into the time vortex
0: she's old neris <laughs> she's old neris i would jump for joy i already i already mm. ran around the house when neris was mentioned in in the star beast
2: here we go are you ready go on okay. do it Hit us. do you guys remember mrs mary from wild blue yonder yes. yes she was at the scene of the the crime when it comes to mavity. the changing of the word gravity to mavity well susan twist who played mrs Meridrew in that episode Is that her real name Susan twist, Susan twist is her real name. Yes, well, this is the I thing. I can't help but <laughs> think,
1: when the press release came out that Susan Twist was in the cast for A Wild Blue Yonder, I was like, that's some good stunt casting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. and here's, here's, uh, here's Barry, and <laughs> Barry <Ray Will> McGuffin. Barry <laughs> here's, McGuffin.
2: Here's Lilith last-minute plot twist that you didn't see coming. Yeah.
0: Is Jerry inciting incident?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if you noticed, but she was also in the church on Ruby Road.
1: Go on. I'm, oh, I'm yes, feeling you, you didn't notice. Is this
2: going to be a funny, or is this going to be a real thing? No, no. Do you no, do Gaudette, a eh? real thing. In the scene, at the beginning of the episode, yeah. where Ruby is performing um, to the pub of She's the Hunters, heckler. She's the heckler. Oh. Ooh yeah what's she doing that's there? gonna be what's it is she me. doing there that's it exactly, is the exactly. Hey, jordan
0: your oldest enemy doctor <laughs> who the heckler
2: so if we are talking about this and going into talking about the amazing like 90 seconds of uh preview that we got for uh the first season season one season 14 season whatever you want to call it um People are speculating that we also see her in that trailer. Oh, God. Okay. So there is a shot, um, I think, from the perspective of the TARDIS. So, uh, like, point of view from in the TARDIS, and there's a woman stood in a field. Interesting. people are speculating that that is also her. Now, if we want to go even deeper (laughs) into this rabbit hole... Russell T. Davis was on Blue Peter recently because they did a 60th anniversary competition, and the winner of the competition was in his Bad Wolf uh, Studio's office. and on the wall of his office, he had a little um, a mocked up magazine cover, which looks like a- another version of Susan Twist. But the character is called. Would you like to hear the name of the character? Go on. Oh. Susan Triad. Okay. Ooh. Oh, right. So we're getting into. <laughs> so, um, and this, and on this magazine cover, the word "icon" is is uh, plastered in front of her.
0: Right. So she's so she's also the Rani. So oh, we've got
2: oh, yeah. Mrs. Oh, oh, Rani. We've got a multi Rani story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, who else could be? Um, um Cherry yeah. Sunday is also.
2: <laughs> so anyway, this is yeah. So I'm hey, intrigued. Hey, hey,
1: hey, wait, wait, wait. We're not done. We're not done. How have you not found this? I have done again lots of impressive oh. investigative journalism here. Ooh. Okay, sure, so, sure, sure. The other day, it was revealed what was on the TARDIS's jukebox.
2: Yes, oh. yes, and of course.
1: Among the track lists, mm. okay, is Twisted the 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 End wrong. by John Smith and the Common Men. The fictional oh. band that Susan listens to in the pilot episode. Wow. Oh, is, oh is, is that Susan? Is Mrs. Twist
2: Susan?
0: Is Susan Susan?
2: Is Susan Susan? I Gosh, think I, that that is a good shout.
0: Is it going to be that the triad is going to be Susan, uh, Ian and Barbara? They're just like, we couldn't I'll let honest, go.
2: I've excited myself. And so, so yeah, so I, obviously I don't want to add another mystery box to your already pile of mystery boxes, but... I am very intrigued. But knowing, well, th- this is the thing. You kind of think, knowing Russell T Davis, you know that it's not just an accident, but also it would be funny if it was just a complete coincidence and not nothing to do with anything oh. that's going to happen.
0: Alex, don't invoke coincidence.
2: Anyway, the trailer, anyway. <laughs> the
1: trailer for the new episode.
0: Yes.
2: The new episode. new episodes, the series, yes. the thing where they do the more than one episode. The musical,
0: the series.
2: Well, funny you say that, Jordan, because I am so, so excited to have a full series of Doctor Who and not just special episodes.
1: Yes. I'm so excited to have a new series of Doctor Who and actually be there going, I'm really looking forward to it rather than I'm in an abusive relationship with this show and I have to (laughs) watch it because one day it might do me right again.
2: So I think it will have been close to four years since a proper series of Doctor Who, right? Well, yeah, if Lux? you ask some people,
1: it might have. Just been... <laughs> oh God. oh yeah, well. no!
0: <laughs> it's those, talking... just those Facebook friends, isn't it? The, uh, the oh, ones who. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 but yes, yeah, so we we got to look at um, what we have got to look forward to, and my gosh, does it look wonderful, juicy! Yeah do you say so um my main takeaway from the trailer um Definitely which is me. very on brand for me is uh not that no jonathan groff of course
1: of course jonathan groff you He's can take away from
2: everything <laughs> <really>. <laughs> you can <laughs> yeah. no yeah i am so intrigued um to see his cat what his character is, who his character is what we've got going on with Jonathan Groff. Oh,
0: um I've just again on Wild Speculating, which I, I told myself I wouldn't do. Oh, we've, gosh. Already, we've already heard about the Duchess in anticipation of that episode. Oh is yes. Is gonna as be in, Susan in, Twist as well?
2: No, the Duchess is uh in Deer of Oh, is that is that
0: been has that been revealed?
2: I'm pretty certain, yeah.
0: Okay, so maybe she's the
2: running. Oh, for God's sake. Look. We oh, opened no. the silly going to be the nearest of
1: New Who for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the best name
0: at Susan Twist. I feel like
1: it just. I just. I feel like he found the actress and got her to change her name by Deep Paul. <laughs> can we have <laughs> for the
0: for for the 2024 series? Can we have a recurring feature called Let's Twist Again, where we just
2: oh, that's talk such about, a good idea. Yeah, talk about
0: where she pops up.
2: Uh, this is interesting because if we do name all of our segments after popular songs, then it will be like our own little jukebox. It's like we—it'll almost be like we planned it.
1: It's yeah. almost as if it's almost as if had we have given ourselves any time to think of a structure, we might have we might have had a central theme, and it'd all be the <laughs> jukebox. it's almost like
0: we're we're, it's almost like we're Ruby Sunday on the goblin ship coming up with lyrics on the fly after being pushed by the doctor to to sing and distract some goblins
2: we'll do it retroactively it's fine
1: (laughs) we're going to wrap on our own podcast
2: given that we we named the
0: podcast after the theme song
2: (laughs) yeah true (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> just a bunch of idiots making this podcast that's all it is hey it bunch just goes to show
0: that it doesn't take a genius to weave together some narrative arcs and at least follow through with them uh, which is more than can be said for some people who have written exclusively for doctor who in the last five years
2: well i would ask you jordan what your favorite bit of the trailer was but i assume from comments previously in this episode of the podcast that it is the beatles stuff.
0: susan twist and shout
2: please i'm trying to i'm trying to make the conversation flow please
1: what i what i'm gonna really enjoy about the Beatles episode is seeing just how far that disney money stretches and how much of the beatles back catalog they could afford to use and how much of it will be them trying to creatively imbibe the spirit of of the Beatles' music because we're either going to get a full on Beatles musical episode, which would be incredible, or we're going to get some 60s liver and rock that nobody's heard before. And it's just shooty Gatler having to vibe his way through it.
2: I love the idea that uh, any scene that the the Beatles are in, it'll just like cut into the scene just as they have finished playing a song.
0: Yeah, you just hear. Well, oh, that yeah. was It the Beatles. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs>
2: Yellow Submarine, guys! Wow, like
0: God, it'll be like um, the Unicorn and the Wasp, where you just get like lyrics done, and it'll be like, "Oh, that's one for later,"
1: because <laughs>
0: that's how you write a story, apparently, Gareth Roberts.
1: Oh God! I'll tell you what, actually, though, like with the whole Beatles thing, not only is it exciting because it's a Beatles-themed Doctor Who episode, which is just. Phenomenal, and also Bonkers. I'm gonna assume that. Uh, and uh, I've only watched this teaser thing like once, maybe twice. Is the are the promo shots that we've seen of Shooty in the pinstripe with the popped collar and Ruby on the is it a Vespa with the with the helmet? Is that is that going to be their fits for the for the Beatles episode?
0: I think so. Yes, I, I believe think, so. I, like, I think what, in the trailer like, there's a shot of the Doctor in that suit running through Abbey Road.
1: But what I but what I what I'm really liking is that we've had obviously Isaac Newton and Mavity in Wildly Yonder. We know that we're getting the Beatles early doors in this first season. Like I am looking forward to like goofy historical Doctor crossover episodes, a la early Russell T. Davis again, like tooth and claw style shenanigans. Like I, I'm quite, I'm quite looking forward to just seeing what like random actual historical things Russell T. Davis is going to dabble with and meddle with over the next however many glorious years of of I, second coming we get. Well, it's interesting really you hope. say that because okay.
2: not to sorry Simon, but not to not to carry on peddling into the whole like mystery box thing, but the idea that like. Lots of different histor, like historical things, like historical moments that they may come across, where something will be changed. So maybe they'll do the Beatles episode, and then like one of their famous songs will be a different title, or the chorus will sound a bit. I was going to make exactly
0: this joke. I was going to oh, say, we... I really hope that at one point the Doctor goes to Paul McCartney. Oh, it's cold. Have you got your vest today? And he goes. <laughs> Vest today hmm
2: (laughs) 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 so but but this is interesting because
1: just you wait for the wicked musical episode in season two (laughs) so
2: the the interesting thing is is that and this i i can't remember who i saw said this but on twitter somebody was like don't be lulled into a false sense of oh this mavity thing is just russell c davis making a little joke it's definitely going to be no, something well that's what you think
0: oh I, I did see something and i'm not gonna i don't know who it was so i can't credit it i did have a actually that'd be quite cool if a character drops gravity in it all and you'd be like oh that's someone who knows how to fiddle around with time as well
1: I like the idea that the reason Susan Twister's, like, loitered is that she actually is the one that came up with the idea of gravity, and so she (laughs) has a century-spanning vendetta against the Doctor.
0: It's like, um... uh, Oh, God. (laughs) This is... See, this is exactly why they should teach these things properly in history, So I was going to say, it's it's like that person who doesn't get the credit alongside (laughs) Watson and Crick for DNA, um...
1: Or or like, uh, is it Charles Babbage that didn't get properly credited for the theory of evolution?
0: Oh, maybe. Rosalind Franklin, there we go. Listen we of... we're
1: we're a, we're a sci-fi podcast run by a couple of morons and the couple is not the correct number for 3 the couple, the couple of morons <laughs> which
2: just we further not... ingrains the fact that we're morons <laughs>
1: we not, not a mass podcast we're not a history podcast we exclusively deal in nonsense
2: I mean, at least we haven't spent twenty minutes talking about an A road on in London.
1: Hey, look, that is,
2: that is never going <laughs> to see the light the A of day.
0: Road cut. There is the A road the cut. cut. Look, okay, we were figuring things out. We we're putting we we're putting together an idea of what it was gonna look like. Let's not do inside 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 baseball, because Jesus Christ, we should be here for another two hours. I can't <laughs> wait
1: until we get an actual baseball themed episode mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. And all of I can't help saying inside baseball, I'll finally help there's the real inside baseball stuff going on here. <laughs> That'll be oh, a historical episode for you. It's the Babe Ruth episode. <laughs> oh yeah, well they they oh, don't learn, just learn about
0: coincidences, but deja vu all over again.
1: Just wait oh. until the day we manage to coerce Russell T. Davis into coming on this podcast, and he decides mm. I'm going to give these guys a listen because I think they deserve a shot. And then within about forty five seconds, he'll be like, "I'm busy that day, and I'm busy every day for the rest of time. I'm sorry, guys." <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh god right i think i think that's a square place to leave it a- any other thoughts oh I,
1: um, I ran out of thoughts a long time ago
0: <laughs> i think i've been running on vibes since an hour and 48 minutes ago so
2: yeah okay that makes sense
0: <laughs> um no i think it, like, like i said it was a good solid christmas episode and then it des- and then it needed to be Added into the myth making, and then I, it was not for me that bit.
1: If you if you had to choose a word to sum up your experience with the episode, what would it be? Uh, a word enjoyed. Diplomatic of you, very nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alex? Mm. What would be your word mm. word of the app?
2: My word of the app would be. Um charismatic.
1: Very good. My word of the app would be Fantastical. Fantastical.
2: Ooh, love it. Because it was
1: fantastic and fantasy And if you combine the two, it's fantastical. Woo. It got worse after I decided to
0: explain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That one person that told me that my grammar was terrible might have had a point. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: God. Oh, back to the Facebook friends. There they go.
1: <laughs>
2: Listen, I have a degree in English,
1: but I've also not used it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. Last question. Yeah. Mm before we wrap this you say all last up. last
1: question like we've had a set list of questions yeah. and we haven't yeah. been... <laughs> I don't yeah. think this might we, be the
2: first question last, last last thoughts last thoughts last okay. thoughts last okay. Thoughts. Okay. thoughts final thing because this was technically if we don't count the the um the Mrs. flood bit was the last bit of the episode where were we ranking shooties i'm the doctor amongst um other Uh, Incarnation's first I'm the Doctor.
1: I think it was very bold of him to Hamas Shrek with his intonation because it was very, this is my swamp coded when he goes, I'm the Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying instant, instant, very good I'm the Doctor vibes. I mean, his, his Caledonian goodness. His first I'm the Doctor in. The giggle was a very good. I'm the Doctor. This one, mm. this one was just like with his with his little knitted vest, zip vest thing going on. Oh yeah, I thought I, it was it was very good. I mean, do I have an official ranking of all of the I'm the Doctors that have ever I'm the Doctored? Not currently, yes. but I will by next episode. Yeah, uh, I feel like
0: I'm going to agonize over this.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's uh it's a fifteen out of ten
0: b hey. yeah. i i Oh
2: yeah, what are we ranking the episode? I'm giving it eleven goblins out of eleven.
1: Oh, are we doing rankings? Are we doing rankings? That was a big question. That's a good
2: question. <laughs> we we had <laughs> approached it. Okay,
0: I feel like, I feel like a score like could be interesting.
2: Could be interesting. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna give it a good B a B plus. A B plus. Oh, so we're ranking it on different. Hey, scales. We, can all, we can all do wait, our own things. Wait, wait I've got it. Master stroke. I've just had the best, the best
1: idea of my life. We're capturing it live. If it's a bad episode, it's an ooh. If it's a good episode, it's a Wee. And if it's a great episode, an all timer, it's a full ooh. Ah.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: oh my god, I'm a genius. I'm wasted oh. on my, my day job. <laughs> I'm giving it an ooey.
0: I'm giving it an ooey.
2: I'm giving it an ooey. Yeah, I'll just leave it ooey. Actually, ooey.
1: Yeah,
0: that's that's exactly what said it Ooh, got to the end. Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> that movie, Ooh, yeah. That movie, <laughs> everything was soaring until the very very last moment, and you just went yeah. Not so much that bit. Yeah. <sighs> I think we can safely agree that all three of us are continuing on this good vibe train of doctor who is very much back and it's exciting again and it's fun again and like we're all just basking in the glow of holy shit that show that they literally when they filmed jodie whittaker's ending they thought might be dead in the water is actually now probably about to embark on a bountiful new era and that is is it's
0: magical It feels not just, like, I would say for a show that is now over 60 years old, not just 60, it feels so fresh, it feels so sprightly, and it feels so exciting.
2: Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. Well, it is five months to wait until um, the new episodes, but you will be hearing from us within that five months, I'm very sure of it. We'll be doing bits here and there, I'm sure but um, we will be back with you at some point, talking all things Doctor Who, here on Who u a a Doctor Who podcast. I have been Alex, Jordan has been Jordan. I have been
1: Jordan, and he has been Alex, and Simon has been Simon. What's the matter?
0: Never heard a Doctor Who podcast before? Wink.